Napa know-how. Keeping it simple is usually a good thing. And when it comes to rewards programs, keeping it simple is always a good thing. That's why we made the Napa Rewards program effortless. All you need is your phone number to start saving on the parts and tools you need. Then we automatically give you $5 off your next purchase for every 100 you spend. So start saving today with Napa Rewards. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> I do not have anything ready. That's why I was going with the, the Migos ad lib. <laughs> Started to think you scared to spit your verse, man. I feel like you had it ready. You just you scared. I should have. <laughs> I should. I, I should have thought of one for Sunday. Something uh, about Dak or Zeke or Sunday. I should have had something. There you ready. go. Not bad. The Dak hey, everybody. back. Everybody. Okay, my thing. My bad. I dropped the ball on that one. We're back figuring out rounds for Joe. Put Dak on your back and de-cleat Zeke. That's a start. This this is a good week. This is a good start of a week, you know? It's a very good start. Rams are in good position. I didn't have any craziness happen to me this weekend, so no crazy stories personally. Wait, what? That's the craziness. You had a normal life for a weekend? I had Uh, had a normal life. I went and Uh-oh. had my game, went and had my game, and that was my weekend. <laughs> that was pretty much When you say had my game, explain to everybody what you're talking about. Coaching, coaching, coaching the 9 and 10-year-olds, which, by the way, we won. Blew the kids out 35 nothing. But yeah, Congratulations, coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't allow points. <laughs> no, that was my weekend. That, that, that was the gist of my weekend. I'm trying to get the Rams defense to start doing that. Don't <laughs> hey. allow points. Shots fired, low key. That was, that was. But good. yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely am. Uh, definitely am happy about having my first quiet weekend in a while. No craziness. Going now, what, on. Do, what do they what, what do, do you? they call you? Do they call you Coach Meisen? Do they just call you Coach? What's the moniker that you go by? Okay, funny story. So, <laughs> oh no, we uh, we did not so plan this. First... By the way, this is not planned. Wherever this ends up going, <laughs> this is not planned at all. So, this is my first year ever coaching, right? And uh, I, you know, we got together. Uh, first practice was like July twentieth or something like that, and um, from that day, everybody was supposed to know my name. You know. All the kids found out my name, but I guess one wasn't paying attention. So at the game uh, this past on Sunday, this kid uh, he goes, "Coach, coach," and all all the coaches look back because we're all standing over there. And uh, this is like right before the game. And he's like, "No, not you." And we all turned back and looked the other way. <laughs> it was like, okay, whichever one he's talking to is gonna keep looking that way. And then he comes over there. And he goes, "No, you, coach." I'm like, "Oh, what's up?" He goes, "Wait." What's your what's your name? <laughs> I'm like Mison. He goes, can I just call you Coach M? <laughs> I was like, what? Coach M. 
I was like, what? So wait, what you been calling me all this time? He goes, coach. I was like, that worked? He was like, you answered? I was like, now you coach. So, yeah, that was interesting. I, he, I guess he just was guessing, and I just was responding. I don't know. But three months in, and he uh, he didn't know my name. <laughs> Kids. That was, it's good, man. That was, that was a, the highlight of the weekend. Well, that's good. That's good to have a normal weekend. Uh, I won't get into my personal. <laughs> it was a very boring weekend on the personal. Front. I will say this before we get into football. I'm an adamant uh, supporter of the season of fall. I think it's not even close. I think it's by far the best uh, season. And, and I, I don't think there's a question. I'm interested to get your take on this. Hey, here, here would be the things that I would support fall over all other seasons for. Number one, the food is by far superior. And of course, food is the most important aspect of life. We eat it almost every day. I do. I don't know about you guys. I I eat some food almost every day. Uh, the weather is incredible. No, I haven't eaten. There's today. football. <laughs> You haven't eaten today? Yes, you have. I have not eaten today. Uh, what are you doing? What, is, what time is it? Man, you, what are you I doing? Busy. I was busy. I'll eat after you, the Ain't nobody too busy for food. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> I was too busy. Man, I was so sometimes busy, I, I couldn't even I couldn't even eat. <laughs> I've been so I'll busy the last lie. couple of weeks. I ain't, <laughs> I ain't eaten since August. No, man, the food's incredible. You got football. The weather's phenomenal. The clothes are the best. See, that's the winter is too much. Joe is a fashion maestro. Who knew? Here's here's (laughs) the thing: clothes in the winter are great, but there's there's so much. You got to put so much effort. Summer's great, but it's very low effort. It's very Meissen, very Brandon Bait, very low energy, very low effort, (laughs) and it comes off looking like that. It's a spring fall battle for clothes and the problem with spring is you got to deal with a lot of uh you know the wetness and the allergies coming back and kids like ugh, nine-year-olds in the spring are the worst nine-year-olds in the fall <laughs> they all want to go play and get out the way anyway so it's easy you don't have to worry about them you're just like get out of here and the kids are like okay and they just go because it's the fall and they don't want to be around you anyway so but right. to me it's not even close what's it what's the best nice and coach m season of all Oh, it's fall. It's one reason and one reason only. It's football. <laughs> Literally, the best best season has always been fall because of that. It's football. I mean, you got tailgating, and well, that's about the time that you're supposed to eat. But I guess even so, I still don't eat in the fall. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, that does remind me. I'll tell you a funny story really quick. I almost died once in football practice in college. Um, so it was like, I don't know, like my junior year or something like that. And anyone that's ever played a basketball game growing up, video game, that didn't grow up in the past 10 years, <laughs> know that Michael Jordan was never on basketball video games. I don't know why, but he wasn't. And so when they came out with this NBA 2K whatever, I don't remember what number it was, and Jordan was actually in the game, like everybody went and bought it, including myself. And me growing up like in love with Jordan, like I couldn't wait. So all I did – for like the next week was play this damn game and I swear I didn't eat anything except for like Doritos because I had it in my dorm room. <laughs> so I'm sitting there eating Doritos and playing 2K. I missed class like four times that week. Uh, and so come Thursday, I'm at practice and like almost pass out because I have like no food in me. <laughs> so 
I go to the trainer or whatever. He's like, well, what'd you eat? I was like, you know what? I completely forgot to eat. He said, what have you been doing? I said, playing 2K. He goes, so you haven't eaten because you played 2K. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And so it turns out coach was making fun of me, you know, talking about it at practice. turns out like four of the guys were like, coach, I haven't eaten either. All of us was playing 2K. <laughs> I think you, you don't get to make fun of Tavon Austin ever again. Your Tavon Austin mockery privileges have been revoked. Hey, I felt his pain. I know how easy it is. Yeah, that happens. Speaking of feeling some pain, the Rams, the Rams aren't feeling any pain right now, man. What, what the, the hell is going on? Things are, good. Things are good. Where do we, the where do we start? Which, which part of this happy place, where do we go? You know, we got to start with the fact that the Rams just had a convincing win. And what was convincing about it was not just playing, a, finally playing a team that was good. You know, there, it wasn't such yep. a, a team that was struggling or anything like that. You know, they played a good team, but they were down and they came back. Like, this is the, the way they came back is something we haven't seen in a long time from this Rams team. It was, it was definitely, definitely different. I personally was uh, I was pleased, which I haven't been able to say for a while. So it was it was an interesting win. What do you think about it? Two other things I would mention. I mean, you covered it as a huge statement win. Number one, it was on the road. This is this is yeah. it wasn't Dallas in L.A. It wasn't Dallas at a neutral site. This was at Jerry World. This was in their house. This is a team that expects to and probably will make the playoffs. And we went in there and we beat them in their house. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't th- I don't think you know the state the the. Important. Then I think you've seen the media respond to that last night and today in, in terms of how people are starting to recharacterize the 2017 Rams because a win like this recalibrates expectations, and it should. The, the other thing is you mentioned the idea that we came from behind. I think it's important to – you know, we'll get to this in a sec – to really focus on the fact that the defense, with their backs against the wall, made a complete, made a complete 180. And it, it's, it's not just that – it was a 180 for like one series. It was it was a 180 between the totality of the first half and the totality of the second half. So you're talking about you know essentially yeah. 30 plays on defense. I didn't I haven't looked at the snaps yet because I usually do that either late today or tomorrow. But the the first half, the Dallas had four possessions. They kicked a field goal and then they scored three touchdowns. The Rams didn't get off a single punt from the Cowboys. The second half, they punted the ball the first three times, and then the Rams got a turnover. So the Rams went from giving up 21 points in the second quarter to giving up zero in the third. It's not just that yeah. that's weird. It's that that's what it's not the 21 points isn't required. But if you're, if you're going to beat a team like Dallas on the road, you've got to be able to fix mistakes um, in progress. And however the hell they did it, I don't know, but they did. And it's, uh, it's telling that's the kind of thing that, that good teams can do. And it's something I don't think we're really used to either. <laughs> so it's a little weird. It is. It's, it's super weird. I promise you. I think of this like every week. I'm sitting there and I'm watching games. And I'm just like, whoa, they may have time to have time adjustments. Like, I've gotten so used to not being able to see this. It's like, wow, it's happening. So I don't know how to handle it. <laughs> it's, it's kind of scary. <laughs> like, man, in the twilight zone almost. You know, it's just pretty funky. But it's, it's, it's cool to finally see that it's happening. But. One thing I know that we discussed last week, and I kind of threw it out there, what do you think the chances are that we would see 
uh, Wade Phillips run more of the attacking 4-3 that this defense is uh, particularly used to. And we kind of saw that in the second half, which, you know, of course I was excited. <laughs> I was like, hey, he's doing it. <laughs> but it kind of goes back to what I was saying about Wade last week about how he is, you know, not the type of coach to try to force things upon the players, more so to mold what he does around the players. And sure enough, one of the halftime adjustments, you know, they come out in the second half and all of a sudden you see them start running this 4-3 attacking style way more. They switch up coverages and everything. And I'm just like, okay, now we're in business. And the result was they absolutely shut down that Dallas offense that was just moving the ball at will in the first half. Was, uh, was it something that you noticed after halftime that really stood out to you? Uh, well, for one, the tackling got better, but that's not saying much. The tackling in the first half was so bad, and uh, we got to get to that. It's uh, I see it later on in the show. We'll get to the to probably the uh, premier name in that aspect. That uh, uh, certainly in the first oh, yeah. half had a lot of people concerned. We're gonna get there, but tackling got better. I think the other thing though was they they were doing a good job of shutting down first down runs. Um, I should have gone back and looked at uh, just the difference between first down runs. But Dallas came up with a couple one-yard, two-yard runs on first down in the second half. And then when you, you know, throw something in the flat for two yards, now you're in third of seven instead of third and two. And the Rams just did a great job at uh, being able to put themselves in good positions on third down in the second half. And I think the results showed. And we've got enough talent in the secondary. Even when you're missing LaMarcus Joyner this week, Kayvon Webster last week, we've got talent in the secondary. We've got talent up front. It's just about being more consistent play-to-play and putting ourselves in position to get off the field on third down. It's a, you know, we've given up some big third downs, so you know we're susceptible in the first place. But if you're at third and three, third and four, and you're playing an offense like Dallas, is, it's just too damn hard. Um, you got you got a good angle here that I, I don't know how to really attack this. The rest sucked. The rest were really, yeah. really, really bad. I don't know. I, I kind of don't know what else so, to say. They were horrible. Honestly, the thing that I only thing I could compare it to, and I was thinking about this during the game, was they reminded me of the replacement refs when the strike was going on. Mm-hmm. I weren't replacement refs. I was genuinely like shocked at how bad the officiating was. You saw uh, even even uh, with Dallas, you know, not that I was rooting for, them, but they had some terrible calls going that way. So it wasn't like it was homerism or anything like that. It was just. Bad fit the, the touchdown called back from Robert Woods. I was I'm still confused as to why I don't it know. was not called a touchdown. Like the, the confusion no was very real. Uh, I, I couldn't really figure out why why a lot of things was happening. There was some some ugly calls, some bad calls, some plays overturned, some plays missed. It was just terrible officiating, which I think ultimately made the game a little bit better for the Rams. Because they were, because that was kind of like another obstacle to overcome with the, you know, you're down, yeah. you're trailing, calls aren't quite going right. It, it showed, it, it showed a lot about the Rams, the fact that they were able to deal with so many different variables and come out with a victory here. And it was a convincing second half of play. You know, it it literally make you say, Absolutely. you know, if if the Rams can play in the first half like this, they're they're a really hard team to beat. Really, really hard. Yeah, well, with strange, I said with the ref stuff, I said, you know, this is just something, some games you got to deal with, and the Rams got to work through it, and they did. And that's, uh, it's impressive. The, the One other call that I didn't understand, and it's one of these things where I just don't understand how an NFL referee misses this, is the Bryce Butler touchdown. It was right in front of the side judge, 
and he yeah. clearly had his <laughs> one foot in and was dragging the toe. What is the? I have no idea how the ref misses that. That's that's a I can't, that's a not hard call to make. I can't figure make. out how they don't get it get it after like looking at it. Like, I don't <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> it was it that was it was, was really really a bad day. <laughs> Yeah, that was a bad day for the rest. The Corey Littleton call was another one that I uh, on the block in the back. It just wasn't. Yeah, and that was uh, that one was frustrating. Um, but yeah. that was uh, the referee. You the good what? thing is the Rams went through it. Like, yeah, you know who yeah. had a good day, right? Not the ref. Todd Gurley. He had a very, 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 go, a great very, day. very, very good day. <laughs> he, had, he, he had a great, he conti- great day. It's it's getting harder to figure out. Uh, what's the right word? I, and I'm not trying to disparage the previous coaching staff. It's too easy right now, given how good the Rams are playing right now. It's just too easy right. to pile on. But there, it's getting very hard to understand why Todd Gurley wasn't uh, forced into the passing game at any point in his career more than he has been the last couple of weeks because he's been so damn good as a threat out of the backfield. And you corrected me when – when I first thought about it after the game, uh, for some reason I thought Gurley had lined up wide, out wide on that touchdown. He didn't. He was out of the backfield, and he just hit it's the seam and busted it. He got it. to the second level so quick, it seemed like he was already lined up at the line of scrimmage. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's Todd Gurley. He's incredibly athletic. Excuse me. If the hands are an issue, there's ways to get guys with bad hands involved in your passing game, and Todd Gurley shows why you need to do it. It's It's one of those things where there's almost – no excuse looking back because he's been so effective in the passing game. Why he wasn't more so in his first two years in the league? You know the the crazy thing about that is it's not like the the old staff didn't know. Jeff Fisher frequently mentioned it that mentioned it. Gurley is a good receiver. They have to get him more involved in the pass game. So even when it, nobody, even when there was nothing to prove that what Jefferson was saying because you just didn't see it in the games, you didn't see him catching these passes, lining up a receiver, going out, running all these different routes and stuff instead of just the occasional screen. You know, you didn't see it, but Jeff Fisher talked about it regularly. So it's like they knew it. They must have ran it in practice or something for him to know it, but they just didn't do it in games. And it's, I think that's, well, that's probably a good reason, a good start of why they no longer have jobs. But it, 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 is, it, is, it is a question as to how do you not get that more involved in your attack, especially with the success that he's having. Yeah, I was going to say, but not only was he effective in the, in, in the passing game, this was his best game as a running back. He had 121 yards, 23 carries, didn't get in the end zone. But, again, we talked about this every week up until this point. The one-yard rushing touchdowns aren't what should impress people. It's seven-yard runs on first down. It's 17-yard runs on first down. He was killing it on the ground. He was. And it was, like you said, first down. You know, he was coming out on the first snap of the play, and he was getting loose. And it was was really interesting because you didn't really see him – you didn't really see him do too much of the stutter stepping, the guessing. You know, he, he was hitting the hole with authority. He was putting his head down. He was running for extra yards. You know, it wasn't a lot of arm tackles that were taking him down, which is something that kind of came out of nowhere um, for him last year. But he was definitely really pushing the ball upfield, getting north and south, which which I was happy to see. You know, he had a couple of runs on first down that went over uh, 10 yards, which was a good thing. So 
you, you're starting to see a different type of girly. I think that confidence is back, and he, it's starting to show in the way that he runs. Gurley Vaughn, uh, offensive uh, player of the month, deservedly, and getting better. We got a note here, and I think somebody mentioned this. That I don't know if you've got the citation. I think I saw it on some, from somebody on Twitter. Talking about, and it's early, we're only through week four, but I guess, you know, you pick up uh, Offensive Player of the Month, you can start pe- talking about this. The three yeah. letters, MVP. The, if if yeah. you were making a board in the NFC MVP race, where is Todd Gurley on that board? Todd Gurley is, honestly, it's, it's still hard to believe it, but Todd Gurley is probably one or two. Um what the number, and it's because of what he's on pace for, and uh, we're going to talk about that right now. Um, you know whether he can sustain this, but what he's on pace for is about twenty three hundred yards from scrimmage and twenty eight touchdowns. Those are MVP numbers. You know, I, I, no one's ever yeah. done that and not won MVP. Furthermore, no one's ever done that and their team not go to the playoffs. You know, so if the Rams go to the playoffs and Ty Gurley has twenty three hundred yards from scrimmage. I mean, he's their leading receiver. <laughs> you know, he, he is the Rams' leading receiver through through uh, four games. He has 20 receptions, you know, for over 200 yards. So he's averaging 10 yards a catch. He has a better average per catch than Tavon Austin has for his career average. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> you know, so he is uh he's he's being really really productive. But the 28 touchdowns is the things that stands is the thing that stands out the most. Todd Gurley has seven touchdowns through four games. He had six all of last year. Can Ty Gurley sustain this level of production? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he can sustain this level, but he can probably sustain something close. You know, I think it's dependent on the offensive line, either staying healthy and or continuing to play the way they have. But through four games, it's no longer a small sample size. We're, We're talking to, we're getting into a, medium level sample size. And I think that's where you can start looking at sustainability as something that's, um, you know, uh, serious and, and you can, you can get some credibility behind it. I, I think the, the, the question is, and you got a bit of it this last weekend when we saw Tavon Austin and Tyler Higby involved in the offense is that clearly what this coaching staff is doing and what's working is maximizing the variability of the offense, of making sure that opposing defenders have to respect Sammy Watkins and Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby and Todd Gurley and whoever else they want to throw in there and Josh Reynolds as a block and wide receiver or whatever, whoever, Malcolm Brown, even whoever's out there, they're treating them as legitimate options in the offense. And so uh, right now, after four games, Todd Gurley has been the point man for that. But I think there are going to be games where that doesn't happen. Where, and, and given as successful Absolutely. as he's been in the passing game, I can see that falling off and, not, and that not being a bad thing, where the Rams still go out and score 40 points and Todd Gurley just doesn't individually have a, bad game, or have a great game. That might hurt his MVP case, but I don't think it will hurt the team, and I don't think we'll feel too bad about it as long as the Rams are putting up this many points in winning games. So one thing that I heard Peter King say this morning, and I just kind of chuckled when I heard it, but uh, after thinking about it and I really, really thinking about it, I was like, well, he has a point. He said Sean McVay, uh, he said he talked to him on the phone after, right? He said what Sean McVay is trying to do with Todd Gurley 
is take him from Eddie George, which is what Jeff Fisher compared him to, take him from Eddie George and turn him into Marshall Falk. And so far, he's he's having success doing this, which is still yeah. shocking to me because of the fact of the way they're using him. You know, it's not necessarily that he plays like Marshall Falk with the elusiveness and things like that, but the way they're using him is Marshall Falk-esque. You know, they're not just throwing him little screens from the tailback position. They actually got him out running routes. They're motioning him out wide. They're running him to the to the edge. They're running him up the middle. They're run, using him in every way possible. So far, he's averaging 27 touches a game. So it will be interesting to see if he can continue that. But here's a better question for you. Can golf continue to be as sharp as he is? So far, golf has been unbelievable in the second half. He's been good in the first half of the game. But the second half, it's almost like whatever Sean McVay is saying in the second half to make his adjustments, you know, like I've said, they make it some great halftime adjustments. It's almost like his words manifest into actual production. It, it, what Sean McVay happens comes to fruition every time golf steps on the field after halftime. He's been almost perfect in the second half of games, and he has the highest QBR in the uh, in the second half of games uh, in the NFL right now, that's who the hell saw that coming? And like you said, we're four weeks in, no so it's not so much a simple side. It's pretty much this is probably an expectation of what you're going to see from golf moving forward for this year. A pretty consistent quarterback, but how consistent is he going to be? Is the question. You know, I don't think we're going to have too many games where he's less than 200 yards past. I think that's pretty evident. What you what what yep. should we expect from him this season? Goal. So I'll say three things, and one of them is really scary. So number one, he clearly is making – continues to make great decisions. He made the first open football bad decision of the season. He threw a ball to Tyler Higby essentially in triple coverage. That was the first yeah. bad decision he, when he wasn't really under pressure. He didn't have to throw it. That's the first bad decision he's made all year except for the throw to Cooper Cup that got intercepted at the end of the Washington game. But in that case, you're down a touchdown. You're under pressure. That's not normal – offensive football in his normal offense he's made this one bad decision all year and this was against a solid defense there was no Sean Lee there's no Anthony Hitchens but injuries happened Cowboys still had a ton of other guys on the field and they just they couldn't really they got some stops but they couldn't really stop the 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 Los Angeles offense so here's the kind of the scary part is that it's not just Goff's individual performance clearly he's the spearhead of the offense the Rams had seven field goals so they left seven drives short. Golf yeah. essentially, whether it's him or the guys around him or the McVay and the offensive staff, could still get better, right? And and yeah. and maybe not all not all seven of those drives are going to end in touchdowns. But part of what we talked about in the preseason was the idea that McVay's here; he's just getting started, and the expectations going into the season were very low. And there is reason to suggest that oh, month to month, as he gets more comfortable with his responsibilities as a head coach and play caller, as the chemistry for the team develops and timing and those kind of things, that there's reason to think that they could get better. So here's the real scary part, is more so than Todd Gurley, who I feel is kind of maxed out, uh, depending on how teams want to defend the Rams moving forward, I think there's a better, op- a bigger opportunity for Jared Goff to have higher levels of production versus Todd Gurley without doing too much different. Part of what's going on is that McVay is just scheming him into good passing situations. The Todd Gurley play is a clear example 
where, where you, can, you can literally see Sean McVay told him, we're going to do this if you see X, whatever X is, whether it's a linebacker pinching, whether it's a safety right. dropping, whatever you see. If you see this, just throw it because Todd's going to be open. You could see it as it was happening. It's the old mental Absolutely. Rolodex. My boy used to talk about this all the time. He was a great basketball player, played at Washington, St. Louis. Talked about the idea that Tim Duncan had to, and Hakeem Olajuwon both had it. There's a mental, the mental Rolodex where as soon as they got the ball, you could see in their head flipping to page C13, okay, I'm just going to do this, and I know as soon as I do that, I drop my shoulder, the defender's going to come inside, I can just turn, I got an easy layup. That was kind of what happened on that play. Now, Goff's got to do it, but it's McVay scheming him into these, those situations. And I think as Todd, as Todd Gurley continues to perform as he is, if Jared Goff is making those kinds of decisions on time, that McVay is going to feel more comfortable allowing him to do some things that maybe he hasn't done, and that Jared Goff's going to get more comfortable looking for things that he hasn't even looked for yet as he grows into the game. And that's the scary part is maybe with, you know, Todd Gurley, we're talking about MVP, but with Jared Goff, I, I don't know what the ceiling is right now. And that's kind of uh, excitingly scary to be able to say as a Rams Absolutely. And, you know, real quick, one thing I, I was listening to this morning, was uh, I'm sitting at my desk and I have my headphones on and I'm listening to um, Shannon Sharp talk. Uh, he and Skip Bayless and Eric Dickerson. Skip, and said, is he, Skip. <laughs> if you haven't seen if you yeah. haven't seen Shannon Sharp pronounce the word Skip, it's got like it's got four syllables in it. I don't know how he does it, but it's incredible. It is. It actually is. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> but uh, he said something that I was just like, you know what? That's true. And it, it was along the same lines of what you're saying. He goes. You know, the interesting thing about this Rams team is that um, they're they're still getting better, and they left points on the field. He said there's actually – you can make the argument that they could have 50-balled Dallas, and no one in the world can say they saw that coming. <laughs> you know, putting up 43, 45, whatever it was, on uh, the Colts is one thing, but to put up 50 on a better team, Dallas, that would have been something impressive. But like you said, they left points on the field. So – there, there is still room for growth. There's still opportunity to get better, and that kind of that's a good leeway segue into the defense. The defense continues to struggle. They did have what I thought was their best half of football to date um, in the second half against the Cowboys. And yeah. you know, I know some people will probably mention the Colts. So well, look at what they did against the Colts. But if we're talking about best football played, you got to talk about the opponent they played as well. And there's no question playing against this um, explosive. Uh, Cowboys offense is definitely a bigger task than playing against Scott Tozine, <laughs> you know, with a busted up line. Uh, there's no question about it. So to watch them go out in the second half and absolutely shut down that offense, you know, they couldn't move the ball um, at all. Uh, it was it was impressive. It was highly, highly impressive. Um, and I think the most impressive part in the stats, Stats can be very misleading. They say men line numbers, uh, men line women line numbers don't. That's not always true. <laughs> you know, you look at Dez Bryant's uh, numbers. He finished five catches, ninety-eight yards. Um, but you know, that first catch of the game was like forty-six yards. That was half of his yards right there. You know, they came out and just slung a bomb. He made a hell of a catch because the coverage from Tremaine Johnson was perfect. You know, he made a hell of a catch. Half of his yards came on one catch. Okay. Yep. He finished with five. He finished on uh, five catches on thirteen targets. Okay, <laughs> thirteen. They threw him the ball a lot. Uh, thirteen targets. I think. I think Dak Prescott threw the ball like thirty-six times. So a third of his passes 
went to Dez Bryant. And Tremaine Johnson was there on almost all of them. I think he beat them on two routes. Both of them was like comeback routes, you know, where he broke off the route and Tremaine Johnson was caught in his backpedal. Those were the only two, and both of them were about 10 yards. Um, Tremaine Johnson had a really, really good game. Uh, but what was more impressive was his second half. Almost all yep. of Dez Bryant's production came in the first half. When the second half adjustments was made, and nothing changed for uh, Tremaine Johnson. It, I don't know what it was. I don't know if the pressure on the quarterback got better. Michael Brockers, by the way, um, had a hell of a game. I haven't seen him have a game this good since, I think, his second year in the league when they played in Houston and he was just balling out. He was all over the place. But second half, Tremaine Johnson absolutely eliminated Dez Bryant. He had nothing coming. And when Dez Bryant got eliminated – Dak Prescott didn't know where to go with the ball anymore. They were stuffing Ezekiel Elliott. Is this something that we, you know, possibly could – is this kind of like a sneak peek of what we should be expecting from the Rams? Like, like we keep talking about, everyone kind of had them, oh, they're going to be number two in the league. You know, number two yeah, is the biggest jump. You know, um, is this is this what we should expect moving forward? You know, or, or is this kind of what uh, Wade Phillips is going to go with? A good mixture of that attacking three four, but then also his attacking four, his attacking four, or the attacking four three, but a mixture of his attacking three four. Do you think this is something that might work? Because we're talking about getting better. The defense, obviously, nobody nobody has a better opportunity to get better than their defense. Yeah, I think here, here's the problem: is we shouldn't be expecting the second half. We should be expecting that whole game. Right, I think I think that's the love because you go back to Washington, you go back to San Francisco, those were those were much worse. This, this game, you had a horrible first half, and then you had a pretty exceptional uh, second half. And even you you go to that two that two point conversion, that you know three times they only got it one out of three, and the one that they got it they had to bring back for a penalty. So, you know the defense showed up when it was the most pressure, and even the offensive drive after that. I know we're talking about the defense. I tweeted out that it was going to be a character drive one way or the other. Rams, how many plays? Let me bring it up. They got the play-by-play for this. The final drive was that one because I remember it was 32-30. to Rams get the ball back. A 12-play drive that chewed up 5 minutes, 16 seconds, man. So that by the time that the Cowboys had – and I think they had no timeouts, right, when they got the ball back, there was less than two minutes. Yeah. That, that's a yeah, that's, a, no that's a professional drive. That's a that's a that's a that's a non Rams drive, right? That's a 2017 only Rams drive. We just haven't been able to conduct those kind of drives in the past, and I don't. I, I think it's okay to start assuming that's capable for the offense. For the defense, I think it's just been too all over the place to really set any expect kind of expectations. Um, and, and part of that is Sean McVay. He's a first year head coach. He's not really having a lot of in-game input on the defense. He's just letting Wade do his thing. He's the youngest head coach in history. I think, uh, you know, it's one of those things that is going to take some time to iron out with a little bit more variables because McVay's not in there. Wade's doing his own thing. Like you mentioned, you've got some system issues, 3-4 versus 4-3, and guys that have come over from a previous system, unlike, you know, Connor Barwin or Kayvon Webster that have experience with him. You got a bunch of people like uh, Robert Quinn and uh, Ogletree and Mark Barron that just don't have experience doing what Wade is asking them to do, and I think it's going to take some time. But like you said, you know, the second half may not be what we should expect, 
but should be something that we need to see a little bit more of, especially early on in games, because we know they're capable of it. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we we know they're capable of it, but you just you got to get it. If, if the Rams can come out and do what they did on defense in the first half, and the offense has played pretty well in the first half, regardless of what game it's been. This was actually the worst performance we saw from them in the first half, and it wasn't terrible. <laughs> you know, it was definitely some things that obviously needed to be cleaned up, which they did at halftime, but it wasn't a terrible performance. Um, they had two, two, two successful drives, two or three successful drives, um, where they got points out of it in the first half. But it, was, uh, it wasn't a terrible drive. It wasn't a terrible game. And then another thing that the take into consideration is the Rams didn't have the ball. The time of possession in the first half was, yes, it was crazy. It was completely crazy. lopsided. <laughs> Dallas did a great job of controlling the clock in the first half. So the Rams had limited opportunity to do anything. And that kind of goes back to the defense getting, uh, you know, getting some stops, getting the ball back to them. But the Rams offense had limited opportunity. So if you can get that Rams defense, you know, to play just a little bit better, you know, because they've been terrible through the beginning of the season. The only defense that's played worse, which is a another shocker, is the Patriots. I don't think anyone saw – Patriots always yeah. have a top ten defense, top five defense, you know, and with all the moves they made, I don't think anyone saw them being as bad as they were. So with that being the only team playing worse than the Rams, it's kind of a shocker, um, you know, to see the Rams being this bad. So if they could just get a little bit better to start games, you know, the Rams are going to be the Rams are going to be having a, a very, very bright future this year. One thing I will say um, really quick, and Joe, the, the Rams are making us both look like we were wrong. Um, can the Rams make the playoffs this year? <laughs> is it a possibility? Yeah, I mean, the answer is yes. Uh, yeah. Is it a bigger possibility than what you thought? Because I'll be the first to say it's a much Absolutely. bigger possibility than what I thought. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> doubt. No, this. My... Go ahead. No, 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 you got the mic. Go ahead. Well, I was like, my predictions all off-season long, even with our staff predictions and my personal predictions, off-season recaps, and things that I talk about on the site, and uh, just the, the, the staff predictions and everything combined, I kept saying that I think the Rams are going to come out hot. You know, I didn't expect them to be this hot. I didn't expect them to be the number one offense in the NFL. But I said, I think they're going to come out hot. You know, I think they're going to start off, and I, uh, I had them coming out 3-1, and one. But not this type of three and one. I expected a similar, but a little bit better three and one to last year. <laughs> but I had them at three and one. But then I said the middle of the season, I think they're gonna you know fall off a bit. And then I ultimately had them finishing at seven and nine. Uh, right now, I'm feeling like they probably got a better chance at nine and seven, or maybe even ten and six when you go back and look at the schedule and see how some of the teams are playing that yeah. they have to play coming up. But it's it's a shocker because I expected them to you know to start off hot, but then and the reason I expected them hot is because you know Sean McVay doing his own thing. Yeah, he comes from Washington. You know, teams can go back and look at that, but you know he's not going to be the exact same as he was in Washington. And this is a prime example. They didn't have a bell cow in Washington. You know, they didn't have somebody being a Todd Gurley in Washington. <laughs> you know, uh, so and they didn't mix it up on with their receivers as much. They, like, they throw the ball. They have a different sure. go-to guy every game. Every game, there's someone different. <laughs> you know, they, they do not keep it the same. You know, so it's definitely a different offense. So my, my thought process was they're going to come out hot. Teams are going to take, you know, four or five weeks to figure out Sean McVay. Once they figure him out, they'll slow him down. And then when they slow him down, they'll probably finish at about seven and nine. But 
I don't I don't know if that's going to be the case moving forward. I, I, I they, they've uh, they've convinced me <laughs> that this is Sean McVay is a damn good coach. I thought he was good before. Yeah. He's better than I thought. Games like this shouldn't have people recalibrating their expectations if they were in the zone that you and I were. We both had them losing records. And games like this, uh, I mean, that's that's why you play the game. Um, that, you know, you go out and you put together a performance like this. Those of us that had them with a losing record need to say, okay, it looks like we were wrong. Now, here's the thing. We're through four games. We got three more games before the bye. If, if what we've seen in the first four games continues – and the Rams win, what, at least – you've got to win at least one. If they win two out of the next three, then, yeah, we're talking about – I mean, it's not even it's, – it's not even a discussion, right? It's Yeah, this is a team that's going into November likely to compete for playoff football, uh, and it just is what it is. Uh, one, one more thing before we get to looking forward, one name that we've got to pull out, and we talked about the defense, is Alec Ogletree. Um, yes. You, you take this where you want to because I'm not sure where to start <sighs> with Tree. Tree has been um, a colossal disappointment. Um, He's never, ever been good at getting off blocks. That's a fact. And early on, I could accept it because, you know, former safety, smaller linebacker that had to gain weight when he got in the NFL, you know. Uh, He he came in at like 230, you know. He had to put on like 15 pounds after getting into the NFL. But it was never his game. It was never something he had to get good at. Um, So it was like, okay, you expect that. You know, you don't expect him to be good at it. But here you are five years into your career, and you're not getting better. You're still a a terrible linebacker at getting off of uh, blocks. Um, Your run defense is only good if you have a clean opening. You know, if you can – or better yet, if you can go sideline to sideline, if he doesn't have to tackle you in the box, he's an all-pro linebacker. (laughs) You know, if he doesn't have to tackle you in the box – He's going to fly to you, you know, and he's probably going to try to take your head off. And he's a pretty decent blitzer as well. But what we've seen, in my opinion, um, I would say he's actually regressed in the new scheme. I think that um, – I don't think – I didn't think he was a good fit to begin with. I thought linebacker was very important for them to address in the draft. Um, a couple of guys I was looking at was like Anthony Walker Jr. and Northwestern, guys like that who I was like, you know, they're better fits than he and Mark Barron. But in actuality, Mark Barron has played better than Ogletree. <laughs> Neither one of them is a good fit, but Barron's played better than Ogletree. Ogletree has been terrible in coverage, terrible in, in uh, run defense. You know, he's not getting down his blitz like he usually does. It, it hasn't been a good year at all for Ogletree. Um, my question is, you know, with his contract being up in the offseason, there's so many holes to fill. You know, he just doesn't appear to be a good fit. You know, they said, you know, this is a a, a trial sort of for Tremaine Johnson. Should it be more so a trial for Ogletree, and should the Rams move on this offseason? I think it is a trial. I think the good the good thing is we still got 12 games. Yeah, no, there's no there's yeah. no need to make a decision on that now, and, and especially if the Rams continue to win games. We just talked about the idea that they could go 2-1 over this next stretch, come out of the bye going into November, really positioning themselves to make a run for the playoffs, just like Greg Zerline, who we haven't mentioned. I said, part of what I said about Greg Zerline is he's earned the right to be the guy to make the more important kicks to come. I think Alec Ogletree, whether or not he's earned the right, is going to be in position 
to make bigger, more important plays than he's been asked to to this point. You know, with the Rams ahead by three points, kicking off with two minutes to go. That scenario's coming. Uh, and, and when teams start attacking the middle of the field, he's going to have to stop it in a way he hasn't. Or instead of us saying, well, Alec Ogletree had a bad game, what people are going to say is Alec Ogletree is part of the reason the Rams lost. So, so when we get to that bridge, we'll cross it. Same with the contract. What makes it interesting is, you know, we, we, get, we get to January – You've got a ton of expiring contracts. And, and, and so, like you said, it's not just going to be one guy. It's not just going to be, oh, should we re-sign Alec Ogletree? It's, it's going to start with who's more valuable to Wade Phillips' defense next year, Alec Ogletree or yeah. Trumaine Johnson? You make a decision. Let's say it's Trumaine Johnson. You go to the next one. Who's more important to this defense next year for Wade Phillips, Alec Ogletree or LaMarcus Joyner? Let's say it's LaMarcus Joyner. You go to the next one. Who's more important to this? And you can see where this is going. If he starts yeah. sliding down that, that tree, and you're talking about a free agent who's going to cost you quite a bit of money, at some point you say, wouldn't we be better off trying to fill this either through free agency or with a draft pick? And, and, yeah. and that certainly could be where he plays himself into in terms of a decision, not just because he hasn't played great, but because the Rams have just too many decisions they're going to have to make in this upcoming offseason. Absolutely. And, you know, my my perspective on it is that you you look at the way Ogletree has played and you just see that he, there's certain parts of his game that's just not getting better at all. Um, he's still just sort of nothing more than a chase and tackle linebacker. And even in those situations, his tackling has been suspect. You know, there's a lot of missed tackles, you know, terrible form, not getting wrapped, not getting guys wrapped up. They, the touchdown, the I, touchdown I, was the perfect play that he's supposed to be able to make, yeah. working laterally, <laughs> right? Not vertically. Yeah. That was a lateral play, and he he missed it. I, I don't I don't know what's the same. So the worst part about that play is that he had the sideline as his help. Zeke he was literally tight roping the sideline, and you couldn't even push him out of bounds. I mean, what what are you doing there? <laughs> like, you you can't get the tackle, you can't push him out. What like, you failed in every way possible, and it's 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 not just that one play because that one play is something that you're starting to see frequently. So, at what point do do you have to say, okay, he's not getting better? They're probably gonna walk away because you can look at Tremaine Johnson and say, okay, well, fine, you know, they want to know if he's a good fit, which was kind of BS from the beginning, but whatever. You can look at him and say that's fine. But at least Tremaine Johnson has some ground to stand on for previous years of good performance. It's been the same thing. He just hasn't gotten better, and that's what's been – that's the most concerning thing, you know. It's not that he's a terrible linebacker or, you know, the worst linebacker or just a really bad player or anything like that. He's just not getting better and he's actually gotten worse in this particular system, which makes me think that moving on from moving on from Alec Ogletree is probably going to be the best thing. But like you said, 12 more games, we'll see how it goes, but it is definitely something that I'll personally be keeping my own. So real quick, talking about defense, the Rams have not been collecting a lot of sacks. You know, um, and it's, 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 it's been standing out, you know, um, to me personally, I think people expected that to happen because that's kind of been the um, what, what the Rams are known for. But you talked about it a couple weeks ago. The Rams were once upon a time very, very deep on the defensive line, but that's not the case anymore. However, um, you look at guys, uh, some holdovers from Jeff Fisher that he 
you know, then he went and found himself of like Matt Longacre and and Morgan Fox, those guys who have been playing really well. Um, What do we think the chances are that the Rams pick it up and get the sacks that the Rams are used to getting or are they probably not going to be that unit, at least not this year? Well, one thing you started to see a little bit more this game was some more blitz packages. I think that's going to have to happen. I think maybe part of what Wade Phillips was trying to scheme was just more four-man rushes with Robert Quinn coming around the side and supporting a three-man front. And like you said, it just wasn't getting home enough. Um, and, and maybe what we start to see is some more aggressive blitz packages that maybe free up some guys to put some better numbers up. And especially because the secondary is good enough that they can hold blitz contained long enough for some of those guys. You saw a couple of coverage pressures. Uh, and, and what, yeah. Dak escaped. How many sacks did he escape? Two or three, four? That, that against yeah. the most quarterbacks would have been sacks. That the one on Aaron Donald was just – it was one of those ridiculous plays that has made Dak Prescott so special of a player through one and a quarter season because the guy <laughs> – Aaron Donald had him. He was halfway down. His, you know, knee was sniffing <laughs> I, I the turf, and then that, somehow that was he – strong – it was crazy. He displayed a strong core right there. <laughs> I don't know how to hit I was going to say that, that's, one of the, strong, that's one of those non – that's, that's not a – that, those were non-Instagram muscles. I don't know if that was his butt or his hips or his obliques. But it was not, it's not your Instagram muscles. I don't know what Dak had going on there. That's some old-school Louisiana <laughs> strength that he had going on. And, but it worked. Aaron and, and he spun out of it and made man. the play. Aaron Donald, <laughs> Pitt, Donald, I'm not talking about pit strength. Pittsburgh strength is a different level. I am not mocking Aaron Donald. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, well, you know, it's one of those things where – go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 you got it, you got it. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think we'll see some more blitzes. I think that's going to free up some things. I think the question is, you mentioned it, personnel. We saw Tenzel Smart get up front with the front three uh, to start this game. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see uh, who we get, uh, you know, rolling through the defensive front on snap counts now that we're through four games. You know, we we mentioned, I think, last week that Robert Quinn was getting less than two-thirds of the snaps. We'll have to see yeah. if that continues as Samson Abukim continues to get experience. Ewan Price maybe starts to get some, some looks, and we'll have to see what injury forces. We haven't really had to deal with a ton of injuries as a team. You look across the NFL this week, you had a lot of serious injuries. Dalvin Cook's going down from Minnesota for the year. Um, yeah. What's his name? Uh, was it Chandler? Was going, is out for Arizona. He had uh, the Derek running back Carr. up in Seattle. Derek Carr. Yeah, Derek Carr. Obviously. <laughs> You know, so you, teams are losing guys for a long time in major ways that the Rams just aren't. And uh, uh, let's hope that continues, but the chances that it does are pretty low. And so, uh, you know, I, I'd expect that once that starts to happen, maybe we start tweaking some personnel. And, and if, there's a, if there's a level of trust that you have in, say, Robert Quinn that you don't have in whoever would replace him or replace Connor Barwin or replace – Michael Brockers or whomever that you start to cycle through, that's where a defensive coordinator has to say, okay, I've got to make something happen. What do we need to do? Maybe we throw some more blitzes and ask the secondary to hold it tight. Well, I will say this. The perfect lead way on to next week is that if there's one team, the Rams know they're going to have success at getting to the quarterback against because they have done it over and over and over every year, twice a year. That is the Seahawks. The Rams routinely, no team in the NFL since Russell Wilson has entered the NFL have accumulated more sacks on Russell Wilson, and it's not even close. 
the Ravens are averaging about five sacks a game on Russell Wilson. <laughs> that is uh, that's that's scary. <laughs> that's that's a lot of sacks, you know, over his career. But since he's entered the NFL, the Rams have absolutely annihilated him. Um, they get to him a lot, and the number one guy to get to him is Robert Quinn. <laughs> you know, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see uh, if they can get back on track. This is the perfect time to do it, especially entering. Oh, it, this is the perfect a, offensive uh, line to do it. Yes, <laughs> the problem, arguably the worst offensive line in the NFL. Um, they're, they're they're pretty bad. <laughs> they're pretty pretty bad. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see if they can get that going again. Um, honestly, this should be the game where if the Rams defense is going to get on track and come out swinging, this should be it. You know, with the poor offensive line play, the running game struggling uh, for Seattle. That is. Uh, if there was ever an opportunity to make things happen, this is it. So, with that being said, we are on to Seattle. <laughs> Seattle is uh, Seattle's been a different team this year. They eventually they did what the Rams have been doing, and they came out in the second half last night. Um, and they were they were look like them old selves. They're making plays, defensive stops. They're getting turnovers. Russell Wilson is rolling out, dropping darts on the guys and stuff like that. Poor Colt. You know, they even had a nice run play. But uh, the Poor first Colt. half, it was ugly. <laughs> it was ugly the first half. Poor Colt uh, is right. You know, it was ugly the first half, though. Um, the Rams are entering this game um, with a lot on the line. You know, they have the opportunity to really, truly – extend their lead in the division uh, by beating Seattle. And this would be the first time since, uh, I think, Sam Bradford's rookie year where the Rams were in complete control of the division if they win. Now, of course, we saw how that ended with Sam Bradford's year. They they finished the season on a losing streak and lost their control. But this would be the first time in seven years where the Rams will have that type of control. What are we expecting for that game? Here's what I'm expecting. You know what this game really is going to end up being about? It's going to end up being about Los Angeles, the city of Los Angeles. There's two factors at play here. Number one, the Rams just got done with a two-game road street, a road run, right, at San Francisco, at Dallas. So we haven't been home for three weeks. After this, we go to Jacksonville. We go to London to play Arizona. We got the bye week. Then we go to New York to play the Giants. We don't play another game in L.A. for another month. So you, yep. the, the, this game has to be a game where the Rams take advantage of the home crowd. Whatever, whatever that means, whatever home field advantage is, the Rams got to make it happen this week. And part of what that means is L.A. got to show up. That's what this comes down to. I, I have defended the city of Los Angeles against attendance concerns at the end of last season. I defended them against attendance concerns at the beginning of the season because fans aren't imbeciles. If you come out and you throw a Jeff Fisher 4-12 and team at a city, I don't care if it's in St. Louis. I don't care if it's in Los Angeles. I don't care if it's in Palm Beach. I don't care if it's in Scranton. I don't care if it's in Wyoming. People ain't going to show up. It's stupid. It's a waste of time and a waste of money. The Rams have shown, though, that this is a different team, that there's a reason for fans, committed fans like us. And the look, there's always going to be a core of fans who go to Rams games. If we go 3-13 and 13 every year, there will still be that core of Rams fans that show up. Yeah, the people always. that, we, you know, we're always talking to each other on Twitter. We're always we, – we got people reading the site every day. Those people, whoever's listening to this podcast, and not just now, the people who listen to this podcast in May, in June, in July, 
those people always – we're always going to show out for the Rams. We do this every day, Myson. Touch of Times is up every day. We're going to be here every day. That's not the problem. The no, problem is there are people who aren't right? – well, yeah, we get some time off. Let's put it like that. That's why we got a team. It's a road, <laughs> we got depth. We got a good depth chart at TST that we can go to the bench if we need to. But there are average casual fans who just aren't going to spend time on this team if the team doesn't give them a reason to. What Sunday did was give them a reason to. And unlike last yeah. year where L.A. showed up to see this team beat the Seahawks, they showed up for the novelty of NFL football, the novelty of the return of the Rams, and kind of that superficiality of what it meant and not the football itself. That novelty is gone. The homecoming is over. Now this is just football. This is just an NFL season. This is just week five. This is a rivalry game. There's no novelty to this. There's no red hot chili peppers. LeBron ain't at the game. Roger Goodell ain't at the game. This is just week five. And this is going to be, this is going to be a game that determines Los Angeles Rams football. And, and we'll, we'll look yep. at the football, but there's no way to get around it. If, if Los Angeles doesn't show out for this game, I don't give a damn that it's a Coliseum. If they don't show out for this game, now we got a narrative that, that is indefensible. If they don't put up some kind of a home crowd advantage, and, they, you know, you look across at what the Chargers were doing, people were getting – the Chargers were getting booed. You've seen this from other teams that are getting booed. This is a game where Rams fans got to show up and make sure that L.A. supports the Rams because we got to get this win, man. You know, it, it's funny because I agree, but, however, I, I think they should show up. They need to show up, but they I don't think they will. I think that they it's might probably, not. probably looking at. <laughs> I think we're probably looking because you and I, for example, as you said, we we've been through the hell and fire and back. You know, been through it. We deal with it every day with the Rams. And there's no there's no days off. We're always talking Rams football and stuff. You know, so I think you and I are probably more uh, skeptical, just as the average everyday Rams fan it would be more skeptical to sure. just go all in and say, "Hey, Rams are." You know, while we're while we're talking about the possibility of them making the playoffs, we're not selling all out on it either. You know, uh, whereas there's probably some people yeah. who are, you know, uh, jump the, the jump on the bandwagon like, oh yeah, the Rams look like they're going to make the playoffs. We might not be so quick to just say that. Um, and I think that's kind of LA as a whole. Um, they're not going to be so quick to just be like, okay, well we're ready to just go because of three wins. You had one quality one. Um, I think that. Well, we're probably looking more so of the return from London. If the Rams come through this next month um, looking good, you know, if they can win two of the next three games, yeah. like you said, I think when they come back November 2nd, there's a pretty good chance that we're going to see a sold-out crowd rocking stadium um, in uh, L.A. at that point. But right now, I think it's still sort of a – I don't know. You know, it's probably going to be more people because this last game, this was the it could be. empty. You know, <laughs> it was empty. And here's the thing. There's just going to be no – as much as the Rams got hyped up Sunday night, as much as they got hyped up today where NFL Network is running segments asking if the Rams are contenders, Todd Gurley's on the Rich Eisen show, you're starting, you're starting to get what we led the show with. Are the Rams for real? People are asking that question. And if you can't, if you can't get – uh, a stadium field on the back of a team that looks for real. I, I don't give a damn that it's week five, that it's the first 10 days of October. 
if you, if you can't fill a stadium, people are going to ask the questions that they've been asking already in the first couple home games, but now pointing to the fact that even if they got a quality team, if they can't fill out this stadium, uh, we got to talk about Los Angeles football. The interesting thing is, like you said, going forward, there are some winnable games and some opportunities to stack up the win and loss column. At home against Seattle this week, traveling to Jacksonville, that's going to be a very, very interesting, a much better and more interesting game than I think anybody would have predicted two months ago. And then the London game against the Cardinals. Which, which of the, I think we might agree which of those is the most winnable. Which of the three maybe scares you the most? Ooh, Jacksonville. I mean, yeah, it's got to be Jacksonville. <laughs> Jacksonville. Here's the thing about Jacksonville. It's not their offense. <laughs> it's not their offense that scares me. That defense, and yeah. I keep talking about it, they are so fast, so physical, <laughs> and those corners are so good. I mean, those corners are damn they have the best <laughs> quarter tandem in the NFL by far. And A.J. Bouye, he had a really good season last year. But honestly, he, I didn't see him playing this good at all. Like, he's even better this year. And Jalen Ramsey is the mother effing man. I mean, geez. <laughs> you know, Safety play is top-notch. The linebackers, I keep talking about, they have the fastest linebackers in the NFL. And then did, you, did you see you the Miles Jack fumble return? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy that you talk about Dante Fowler. You know, I think people forgot that he existed after he tore his ACL sure. in rookie training camp after getting drafted, number two overall, number three overall. But, no, he's still alive and well, and he's a damn good football player. And he, I think he has five sacks through the first four weeks, you know, so – this defense is good, and if there's a defense in the NFL that can slow the pace of this current Rams attack, they're it. And with that defense being uh, capable of slowing down this offensive attack, um, and like the Rams, they make great second-half adjustments. You know, it's the, 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 the Jaguars are the Ram, the 2017 Rams reversed. They went out and loaded up on a defensive-minded staff, with amazing defensive players. They got the perfect skill players for their system, you know, and it's from top to bottom with that defensive by the staff, and it's showing. Um, it's really, really, really showing. They're the best defense in the NFL, if you ask me, and they have, they are the exact formula that can stop the Rams' attack, being the exact formula. I would have to say that uh, they, they scare me because I think that they could not only stop the Rams, they can expose the Rams, uh, which – which was which is have to be looking forward to the game, but also scared of the game. <laughs> looking forward to it, but scared of it. Listen to questions, man. What do we got from the fam? The Turf <laughs> Showtime's family. What do we got? You know what? The, the there was one there was one question in particular when I read it. I immediately said, "You know what? I'm getting this one on there." I actually told the person that I said oh, no. this question is definitely one question that I have to make sure I pull up for the show because. It made me laugh, and I was like, I want, um, I want Joe to hear this question. And I, I want to get his, uh, I want to get his take on it. So the question is from uh, what was his name? It is Chad Overton, and he said, "Can anyone beat the Rams when all phases are playing well?" Now I thought this was interesting because yeah. I knew we were going to be talking about how good the Rams have been. What is what's Joe's thought? <laughs> 
If all phases, so the answer is of course. How good is this rim? Yeah, yeah. The answer is of course no. The problem is how how many how often have we seen all phases playing well? Maybe just the second half of that Cowboys game, right? So the the yeah. question is it, and it's a good it's it's the right idea from Chad. The the question is. How often are we going to get the, the, the Rams playing well in all phases? What, or what is it going to take when you've got such a young head coach, a first-year head coach with a first-year staff, and all these new personnel changes? How, how realistic is it to expect them to get things working, clicking on all cylinders week to week? I think that's the big question. If, if we've got it working the, same, the way we do on offense, and you can start improving the defense, no, it's going to be nearly impossible to stop and pretty much functionally impossible to stop if you got the offense going the way it has been. The, the, the problem is that the offense has, you know, whether it was Washington at times or uh, even for a spurt in week three, seen some pauses. And if you get pauses from this offense in a way that the defense is just at a full stop, that's where we're, the risk is, and, and that's where I worry that we're going to see that exposed in a game at some point in the next three that's going to make us question things the way we're not really questioning them after this week's performance. But, no, if we get everything rolling, man, you get this defense turned up and keep the offense going, that's a, that's a, that's a winning squad. Yeah, I, I would agree. They, uh, this, is, this team is – if they can get it quick and they are hard to beat – like I said, the team that I think is most equipped to beat them is the Jaguars. So we'll see. But that was a good question from Chad. I actually kind of laughed. And, and think about this. With the, the the way you're, you're not wrong the way you're talking about the Jaguars' defense. But if this offense comes out and does what it's been doing against the Jaguars, then it's one of those things where you say, well, okay, if they can do it against the Cowboys and if they can do it against the Jaguars and we'll see what we do this next week against Seattle, then why, yeah. there's, no re- there's no reason to think they just can't keep doing it, that this is – not an anomaly. This is just who they are. Folks, this is another week where Joe turned a negative into a positive. Leave my guy alone. Okay. He's not all negative. Look at the flip he did right there. <laughs> but, no, he, that's, that's a great point. If they, if, they can be, if they can do it against them, they can do it against the Seahawks, the Rams are going to be in, pretty good, uh, in a pretty good position. Next question, though. No, so, no. We've been talking about it. We've been talking about it all show. Luke uh, Cremary says, how good are the halftime adjustments? It's such a rare concept after the, the Fisher era. I would say the, the halftime adjustments are the best I have seen from the Rams in 15, 20 years. But just in today's NFL, I would say that the halftime adjustments have been top five easily across the NFL. Um, it's, been, it's been very impressive to see how efficient – of the football they can play coming out of the locker room. It's uh it's it's impressive. You just don't see teams like you have time adjusting, yeah, they're all fine and dandy, but to be able to execute against another NFL team is another story. And the Rams are doing it at such a ridiculously high level coming out of halftime. It's rare. I don't know what what it is that uh Sean McVay is saying or what he's doing. I feel like he almost prepares three game plans during the week. And then during the game, they figure out which one is the best one to go with. You know, that's what it feels like. Yeah. Because the way that they switch it, they're so prepared and they're so ready to go. Halftime adjustments aren't supposed to work that well unless it was something that you were planning on doing. I, it's weird, but they are – they're pretty damn good. Um, you got anything on that one? No, the offensive adjustments have been great. 
what, where I worry is the defensive adjustments. Now, we, we just saw a great defensive adjustment at halftime, so we'll have to see. It, it, part of the problem was that you had the defense adjustment, whatever it was against the 49ers, was the complete opposite of what we saw this last week, where the 49ers, let me pull up the play chart. We went in to halftime, and it was 24 to 13. So, obviously, at 13 points, and the 49ers had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven possessions. Uh, the end of the half one was one of those. There was just no time. So, essentially, six possessions, and the 49ers only had 13 points. So, the defense was playing very well. You come out of the break, and it was quite the opposite. First possession for the 49ers, touchdown. Second possession, touchdown. Third possession, punt. Fourth touchdown, fifth touchdown. So it, it was pretty much the complete opposite of the Cowboys game. And, and it's one of those things where because the offense is clicking so comprehensively, it, it, the, the, it, you're seeing some quick strike drives too. I mean, the Todd Gurley touchdown showed it, that the Rams are putting up points and getting off the field. It's putting the defense in some uncomfortable position, kind of what they were put in under the Fisher system, except instead of, you know, quick drives that end up in points, what we were getting under the Fisher system was a three and out from your own 20, and then Hecker was booting the ball, and the defense was coming right back out of the field. Now they're coming back on the field and having to deal with, you know, points behind them, but for whatever reason, they're just not getting it done in a lot of areas. And so we'll have to see. But clearly this last week, I don't think there's anything to complain about from halftime. I think it's a matter of replicating it. Absolutely. So next question uh, we have here is from uh, Richard Moda, and he says, uh, what is your revised win-loss records for the season after this particular 3 one start? Every game on our schedule let's looks start, win- let's, now, He said it looks winnable. He's he's looking he's looking for sure? uh, the Rams to, to finish out strong. <laughs> go you go. First, so I go I had him at five and ten and one. What did you say you had him at seven and nine? I had him at seven and nine. I had him at five and ten and one. So I had one tie from your win and one loss from one of your wins. Let let's do it, man. Let's go all in. What's what's your revised win loss, man? Oh no, this is all you first, sir. <laughs> I want to hear yours. Well, here, here, I, it's contingent on these next three games, but looking at the rest of the schedule, I can see this team the, based on what we see. And you got you got to go off the four weeks. That's all we got. I could see us winning eleven games. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think there's a very very easy path to eleven games because the Rams just went out and run won both games on a road uh, on a two game road streak, and to come out of that with a two game win streak. Um, it, it's not the way maybe we would have wanted to win these games. It's certainly not the script we had, but they got both wins. And if they can go on the road and do that, and if they can get two out of these next three, and you're talking about a team that's sitting at five and two coming home uh, in week 10, obviously you got to get through the game in New York and we'll see what happens there. But there, there's right. definitely a pathway to 11 wins based on the way this team is playing. You know, my, I mentioned it already earlier in the show that, my, you know, my 7-9 prediction, I'm looking at it now and I'm saying that um, it could possibly turn into 9-7 nine and, nine and seven or even 10-6. and six. Um, I'm staying kind of close to that 9-7 mark because I, do, I did feel like they were going to come out hot. I didn't think they were going to be what they are now, but I did kind of feel like they were going to come out hot until defenses figure out how to play this Sean McVay because that's what the NFL does. You know, when they figure it out, when they figure it out, they just go from there. The more tape they get on you, the the, uh, the better they're going to be at getting you to uh, and being able to stop you. 
you know, four games in, sure. like you said, these next three games is the kind of the point where I expected those that three and one to start to turn around and score to slide a bit because I figured, you know, after a month, that's plenty of tape. Look at who they're going to be going against. Um, I definitely think that uh, this is the point where we're going to see uh, how good the team can ultimately be. I said seven. And, I said seven and nine. Uh, I would switch it just looking at how some of the other teams are playing, like the Cardinals. The Cardinals look like a sweepable series. Um, the I think they're probably going to win the other game against the um, the Forty ers You got a couple of wins on the backside. I think the Titans is probably going to be a really good game later in the year. Uh, but overall, I, I, I definitely would say that uh, ten ten wins is a legitimate possibility. Ten wins and um, getting into the playoffs would. It's a, it's a possibility. I wouldn't be shocked, but it's I'll go a, with nine and six on the safe side. But ten would not shock me. And he, so I'll go ten and six. Here's the one asterisk that obviously both of us got to throw out there. And we I mentioned it earlier. The Rams are incredibly healthy right now, and Mary, you know, a, a severe injury at a specific position could completely change the calculus. And you know. Hopefully we don't have to deal with that, or hopefully we get through enough football that we get to a place where the win-loss record looks good enough that when we start dealing with injuries, we've already done enough good work to maybe get over a hump that we wouldn't be able to when those injuries come. But uh, that that's clearly an asterisk that you got to hold out on projections because, you know, if you're a Colts fan and you had a win-loss prediction, you know, eight months ago, it probably looks a hell of a lot different <laughs> now. If you're a gosh who. If like you're talking about Derek Carr, fan. if you're a Raiders fan, if you're a, if you're a Giants fan, the Giants just came from the playoffs, okay? And they had the best defense in the NFL last year. They haven't won a game so far. So, like you said, things change over time, you know. So, we'll see. But uh, definitely, definitely a good question because it's a good point. You know, when you look at the way teams have played so far, you definitely kind of have to go back and revise things, but these next three weeks will be pretty telling. So what do we have for college football this past week? I know where I want to talk about. Well, Please, Joe, by all means, take the floor. Yeah, let, let me let me throw this segue in there because you talked about things change. One of the things that's changing is we talked about the Rams are, are, are buying an air of legitimacy. You just – you went on record. Let's put it out there. You said 9-7. and seven, I said 10-6. and six. We talked about the idea that this next game is going to be a game about Los Angeles, for better or for worse, that people need right. to show up in the Coliseum. It, it wasn't the biggest game because it wasn't on Saturday. But I don't know that there's been a game that has changed the landscape of college football more so to this point than USC going up to Washington and losing yes, to Washington sir. State. <laughs> and it, it was a close game. It, it wasn't like um, like when LSU lost to Mississippi State a couple of weeks ago, where they they just got run off, or when Georgia just whooped up on Tennessee forty-one to nothing. It wasn't like that. It was thirty to twenty-seven. It took a late drive from Luke Falk and the rest of the uh, Cougars to be able to get a win at home. So USC was on the road. It's not the worst loss for USC, but it's a loss. And, and if you're looking at Los Angeles football, and you had a USC team that everybody had, you know. The playoffs was kind of the barometer. If you had the Chargers that had a tough early schedule, but things looked better late, and they certainly have been underwhelming, there's a feeling that the Rams could be earning, not that they've already gotten to it, but they should be earning some attention from Los Angeles. And a game like Friday's, USC at Washington State, could be part of the reason why. 
Absolutely, 100%. Look, USC has not been what I think the world expected. Anybody. With the exception of a few, yeah. with, with the exception of a few USC haters who were like, they're not going to win this game or that game. You know, if you didn't go to Washington State, I don't think anyone had them beating USC before the season. Um, but that was the case. I, you know, I sat there, I watched that game. I was in awe of that game. I couldn't believe. What I fell I was asleep. Seeing. I'm uh, not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I fell asleep. <laughs> It was it was interesting to say the least. Um, I was shocked. I was really really shocked, and it wasn't so much of I was shocked at uh, Washington State as I was uh, just how bad Sam Darnold was. <laughs> he was really bad. Let's just put it this. Let's just let's just put it this way. If not for Ronald Jones being the explosive player that he is, sure. this would have been a lot worse. This could have been so much worse. You know so. Sam Darnold, he um, his his coming into this season, he was being talked about as the number one quarterback prospect. I'm I'm thinking that we're probably going to see him drop some on some boards by the end of this season. He just like you said, he's having a very very rough rough season. Um, Luke Falk played great though. That was that was a good game from him. What do you think of the uh, Florida Vanderbilt game? I actually expected that game to go to Vanderbilt, but Florida came. Through. See, I didn't watch <laughs> any of it. I did, yeah. I didn't watch any of it. Florida's strange. I mean, they're coming off that huge, huge win with the late second bomb, and they've got, you know, uh, they got a lot of talent, especially on defense. But I, I don't know that I'm buying. Did you watch the game? I did, and I was, I was shocked. I didn't, I didn't expect them to beat Vanderbilt. To be perfectly, I just felt like this was one of those really? games they were going to lose. <laughs> I, I really did. I thought that was, the coming into the game, that was my thought process. I was like, you know what? I just think they're going to lose this game. And, you know, they come in, um, Luke Del Rio, uh, uh, not Luke Del Rio, but Luke Del Rio comes into the game. Frank, Frank oh. gets, he gets hurt, you know. Um, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's, it's definitely over. But, you know, they, they came out. And this was probably the best that offense has looked during the season. You know, they were able to run the ball. They had a little bit of success. They ran the ball. It. Yeah, it was. I think they had like 250 yards passing or something like that. You know, they had some success throwing it um, when they needed to throw it. You know, it was the best that I've seen the, the Florida uh, offense looking. You know, you mentioned the defense. and defense, they were able to get stops when they needed it. Um, it was a better game than I expected, to be perfectly honest. It wasn't uh, a blowout by any means. But just overall, it was it was good quality football, just a good game to watch. See, I was out during the early game, so I didn't get to see that or Mississippi State-Auburn. But yeah, I clearly made it home in time for the big game that night. Uh, yes, <laughs> it's one of those things where you start running out of superlatives because you start to worry that it's not even a worry. You just start to respect Clemson's defense so much. At, at what point does Clemson? And I saw they started talking about this. Really, they started talking about it about a week ago. If you watch much college football analysis shows or anything like that. At, what does Clemson need to do to overtake Alabama at number one? Is it, is, is it, is it even possible? Can, can Alabama seed that as long as they keep winning? Because I, I just wonder, you know, Alabama, and clearly this ain't the week to really ask this because Alabama whooped up on Ole Miss by 60 points. Yeah. I forget what the final score was. It was not close. And, the, you know, Vanderbilt, yeah. they beat 59 to nothing. So Alabama's not making – they're not making their lives any worse. Uh, but I yeah. just wonder, the, the Clemson defense has been so dominant that if Alabama has one of those USC victories, remember USC early on in the season, Western Michigan was close, 
Cal was close. Texas was a phenomenal game that went into extra overtime, extra time. When Alabama has one of these close games, even if they win, has Clemson done enough or can they do something to be the number one team in the country just on the strength of that defense, do you think? They cannot because Alabama is hmm. the voters' darling. As long as Nick yes, Saban is at Alabama, they will not let Alabama fall out of the top five. Because even when Alabama loses, they only drop like one or two spots, which never makes sense to me because it doesn't matter yeah. who they lose to. When Alabama loses, they barely move on the rankings. You know, the voters love Alabama. And to me, it's unfair. You know, it's definitely some favoritism there. And it's because of Nick Saban. Yeah. Nick Saban's a hell of a coach, you know. But the favoritism shown towards, towards Nick Saban is ridiculous. Um, now, I will say I understand a little bit with the rankings. You know, yes, Clemson beat Alabama last year, but Clemson also lost more after the season was over, Better losing to Sean Watson, having yeah. to bring, it to a, bring in a new quarterback, losing Wayne. Mike and, Williams. Uh, yeah, you know, they lost all their star players on offense. They lose their middle linebacker. They, you know, they lost so much. So I understood it, you know, uh, Tankers, league quarterback. Alabama didn't lose anything. <laughs> Alabama, they had so many guys that were sophomores on that team that came back, sophomores and freshmen, you know, that were starting in the national championship game. So I understood them being ranked ahead. The problem is if they come into the season ranked ahead, they're probably going to stay ranked ahead. Uh, Clemson doesn't have any games on the schedule where they have where they can beat somebody that's going to thrust them ahead. The only game they had was Florida State, but when when they lost DeAndre Francois, they lost their season. So beating Florida State is no big deal now. <laughs> you know, it's, it's nothing. Right. You know, so clearly there's not there's really nothing to thrust Clemson ahead of of, of Alabama. Alabama would have to lose probably uh, would have to lose a game, and Clemson would have to go the season undefeated. That's the only way. Well, and look, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but at least there's a watchable opponent for Alabama because I don't know that they're going to – I mean, it's the SEC and it's Alabama. So when you talk about LSU, when you talk about Mississippi State, and even if you talk about Auburn and the Iron Bowl at the end of the season, that there's reason to tune into those. And there's, a, there's NFL talent on all those teams. I'm not saying that, they, that we can just keep them out of our radar as Rams fans, as NFL fans. But I would say this, this clearly those matchups are not what people were hoping they would be. Uh, you know, right. two, three weeks ago. But one that, that I thought going into this season could be that marquee matchup that, that right now is only not because of a single point is who they played this weekend, Texas A&M. You go back to the first game, remember that comeback, and we talked about it that week on Tertial Radio, that we know that anything is now possible, right? A 34-point comeback for UCLA. Remember, they were down – excuse me. It was uh, – yeah, no, it was 34 because <laughs> yeah. it was 44-10. to 10. Right. Yeah. If 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 A and M ices that game, right now they're undefeated. And, and you you look at what they've been able to do the last couple of weeks. They beat South Carolina. They beat Arkansas. That they they would have been five and zero with a road win against UCLA. That was close to being a dominant road win. They would have gone into this game, and given the thorn that they've been for Alabama, they would have gone into this game with a ton of hype. And it's just not there because of that early loss. I wonder if Alabama's going to get a challenge from them this week. You know, it wouldn't be a surprise. I mean, A&M has beaten Alabama before. <laughs> They've shocked them a couple right. of times over the last couple of years. So, it wouldn't be a surprise. If there's one team that you can say in the SEC that seems to uh, be the team that can beat Alabama, 
never know what is going to happen. It just happens in A&M. They've beaten them a couple of times in recent years. So uh, it, it wouldn't be a shock. It wouldn't be a shock at all. Real quick before we get out of here, I want to say two things, actually. I was going to say one thing. Our boy, Saquon Barkley, he, uh, he continues to be a straight-up monster. <laughs> the dude is, dude is a freak. I mean, just a straight-up freak. That that kickoff return, I mean, when he hit that crease, I was just like, well, that was fun. <laughs> you know, it was over. It was They stood no chance. But outside of that, I was going to say uh, the game with the Oklahoma with Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, I thought it was a really good game. You know, I'm always watching Oklahoma State because of that <laughs> offense. You know, I, they have those. They have that three-headed monster with Rudolph Hill, Washington, and uh, it was a damn good game. It was so much better than I expected. You know, I haven't watched a lot of Texas Tech this year, but I heard good things about mm-hmm. their defense and how their defense, unlike unlike previous years, their defense is actually what's really sure. good as opposed to their offense just lighting up the scoreboard. And I must say, I wasn't disappointed. The defense was legitimately a problem early on. Of course, Oklahoma State got it going in the second half. You know, they finished with 41 points. But the first half, there was a, they were giving some fits. And um, it was it was a good game. But Mason Rudolph continues to show why he's probably going to be one of the better quarterback prospects. He had a hell of a second half. It was a great game for him. He finished with 376 yards. Um, Justice Hill had 164 yards rushing. The uh, James Washington, who I keep saying I think is the best receiver in the country, finished with 127 yards. It was a good game, but they it was a good game, but they ultimately pulled it off 41-34 last minute, uh, last couple of minute touchdowns. It was it was definitely one that I thought everybody, if you watched it, you got your money's worth. So that's all I have for college football. You got anything else before we get out of here? Here's, well, here's what's making it interesting. Oklahoma State right now is third in yards per game. Oklahoma is the number one team in the country, 606 yards per game. Uh, Louisville is number four, Lamar Jack. Oh, no, Bedlam's going to be awesome. Bedlam's going to be phenomenal. You talk about Texas Tech, they're ninth in the country. You know who the 12th team in college football is in yards per game? Who might that be? It's the North Texas Mean Green, bro. I know nobody watches it. Oh, I know. here we Look. go. <laughs> hey, hey, hold on, man. Well, we, got, we got a couple minutes. <laughs> Tune in next week. Look, man, I, I know nobody's watching North Texas. I'm telling you right now, this program, bro, nobody, nobody's talking about it. There's, it's just like the three-in-one Rams. There's room on the train. That's all I'm saying, man. Three and two. We got to buy. I'm going down to Dallas. Everyone's be... talking about the Rams. About the I Rams. woke up this morning that every sports outlet is talking about the Rams. Even NBA TV was Skip. talking about the Rams. Skip. The Rams break are the out, hottest thing. Let me in break out right my now. blacks and my. What did he say? What is he? Shannon's, oh, talking about black and mild and hen dogs. Yeah. Oh, what a day in sports news. He had a black and mild. Let us not. Dog. Let us please. Let us not show oh, our man. lighter side. So. Anyway, all I'm saying is keep an eye on what's going on in Denton. We got to buy it this week, so then you don't Real have quick. to watch them in week six. Yo. Real quick, before we get out of here, do you have any good stories from your time in Texas? Please tell me you had a sardine and mayonnaise sandwich. <laughs> oh no, that's coming up. I'm, I'm going on Thursday. I'm going on Thursday. Oh, okay, I thought you were there already. Cool. Bet. Not yet. I can't oh wait. no, I talk, we, we we talked to Mama today. I talked to Mama today. We got a whole plan. We got a haul coming in on Friday. Uh, We're doing a whole haul. That's right, borders. Sardine. (laughs) I'll let you know sardines and mayo. What's going down? This is a uh, a family favorite for those of y'all that that are from the old south. I'm gonna need pictures of you eating this. 
Hashtag Old South. We going in on some animals. Believe. Please believe. Oh, man. I will be tasting some of God's good creatures. Week six no schedule preview, man. Co- today, no Go ahead. <laughs> I plan on eating for the first time <laughs> today, no longer. <laughs> hey, I was going to say, uh, you might want to just uh, take a break from sardines and mayo if your stomach is still up in that. Little advice from the experience. Week six, man. Thursday, we got 17 Louisville at number 24, NC State. If you ever watch NC State, they're a talented team. Good night to check them out. They're all by themselves on Thursday night on ESPN. Saturday's a little bit thin. You're starting to get into some of the weaker. You talked about Vanderbilt. There's some weaker conference matchups. Maybe the early ones, Georgia-Vanderbilt. Ole Miss-Auburn, not quite the game it used to be. Some early games may not be watchable. One big one that I think is going to be a lot of fun, number 23, West Virginia at number 8, TCU. That's got some hype behind it. That'll be at TCU. Uh, Number 23, West Virginia – not West Virginia. Number 13, Miami is going to Florida State. We talked about Florida State with DeAndre Francois out. This is a game where they're going to be under some pressure. And if my, I mean, you talk about an old rivalry. I know we're getting long in the tooth. Miami, Florida State, I, dude, there were years where that was their game, the game on the yeah. schedule. LSU at number 21, Florida. Clearly not the game it used to be, but if you're looking for NFL talent, I don't know that there's going to be a better game on the schedule that day. And then when you get into the night action, we'll have to see what, what kind of games we get out of this stuff. But Alabama at Texas A&M, obviously Alabama number one. And then Michigan State at Michigan. It, you, it used to be one of the biggest on the schedule. And it's just, I mean, Michigan State has just fallen off the map. It is, if they can go ahead and get this win, it would be huge. But they've already got an L on their season uh, to Notre Dame a couple weeks ago. We're coming up on time, Mison. Uh, got to get out of here. What do you got to wrap things up? That, that's it for me. I mean, we, we, we got a good, uh, good slate of games coming up. Everyone, I know everyone's going to be watching the Seahawks game because it's the Seahawks and that rivalry speaks for itself. So I always expect a good game when the Rams play that. But uh, overall, just been a, it's been a good start. I'm looking forward to how we go over these next uh, few weeks. But with that, we're going to get out of here. Again, Myson, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Mighty or Myson. Uh, follow Joe at 3K underscore. Make sure you get uh, follow the Turf Show Times at, uh, at Turf Show Times. And if you have any questions, please hashtag us at Tur- Turf Show Radio on Twitter. Hit us up on Facebook. We're always looking out for them, and we out. Tyler Higby. Aloha, I'm Clifford from your Manoa Safeway. Can't decide what to eat? Whether it's lunch or dinner, you'll find a perfect meal in the Safeway Deli. Handcrafted sandwiches, fresh sushi prepared by our in-house chefs, signature salads, our famous fried chicken and tenders. Add a side like creamy mashed potatoes or mac and cheese, all fresh and ready to go every day. Stop by this week to get a hot deal on rotisserie chicken, only $5.88 each with in-and coupon. This is Clifford from Manoa Safeway, and we'll see you soon.
Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? And why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find us anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.